0: Welcome to Creative Dialogues. Creative Dialogues is focused on the arts, exploring collaboration, and upskilling, and community building within and across art forms. My name is Tom Hogan, and this episode is The Music Entrepreneur. I haven't spoken much about myself in this podcast, but maybe I'll switch it up for this episode. I work mostly in music and proudly list musician as my occupation on my tax. I was a sound designer in theatre, film and dance for many years. I compose and make music. I lecture in music history, production and sound art. My theatre shows are about music. My podcasts are mostly about music. I also write and release music under various guises. I write songs. I've written a musical. I sing louder than I should. I'm a Scorpio. And I recently got a dog. Sorry, what's this for again? The point is, I would say my life and work is all centred around music, but almost none of it is associated specifically with being involved in the music industry. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but I do know I've managed to forge a career in music just by managing a variety of sources of income, only because I found it nigh impossible to live in, or even break, the music scene, whatever that means. But for our three guests today, all work in and around and expand beyond this. So, let's chat. Oh, and for some context, listen to me play real cool when Beck Sandridge logs on to the Zoom. Oh, Beck Sandridge is here. Everyone just chill.
1: <laughs>
0: Hello. Hello. Hi, Beck. Hi, I'm Tom. Nice to meet you.
1: I'm Beck. How are you? Hi. Woohoo.
0: And now listen to me subtly fan out once all the pleasantries pass.
1: I've uh, never used a microphone for a Zoom meeting, so I was like, quickly, frantically trying to make sure it
0: works. Oh no, it's very impressive. I
2: was like, oh!
0: also, Beck, how badass is your album? By the way, I'm so glad you're on this. By the way, oh. I'm such a fan. It was awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, playing it cool. Uh, you should go and listen to her album. Try and save me. Also in this chat is Emily Collins from Music New South Wales. If you don't know Music New South Wales. You should, as they're the state music body. They empower musicians by providing funding, skill development, and representing musicians in broader discussions, as well as showcasing and connecting artists, venues, and more. They're great. Hello. Hello, Em Collins. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad you could do this, Em. This is great. Okay. And finally, we have the whole reason this podcast is named the music entrepreneur, Jesse Lloyd. Jessie is a composer and performer, but I became aware of her from her Mission Songs project, where she presents traditional and contemporary First Nations music, particularly the secular songs that were sung after church from the mission camps. She's been presenting this work all over the place, but more recently, due to shutdown, is adapting the funding she received from a tour that can't happen to a more digital presentation of the work coming soon. Also, uh, Jessie, I just love... I. Every, everywhere I look up your name, you're you're listing yourself as at a creative entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and it's that's so good. It's like I want to add that to everything. It's like me adding like poet under my name. It's great. It's real. I I really like it.
2: Yeah, I I um oops, I coined it about I don't know a while ago because I studied it's a business study, and um a lot of people like it and have been using it. And I'm like, okay,
0: I yeah, no, it makes you sound shit hot. It's great.
2: Yes,
1: he's like, I am. <laughs> You're
2: just like, yes, I am. Yes, so. yes I am. I'm shit hot. Well, the, name is, the description, you know, is yeah. awesome. I like the description.
0: Um, I think it also work like, work, especially because, um, I don't know, like, your Mission Songs project is, like, I've seen it in, like, a hundred different sort of formations between being, like, whether it's a, a cabaret or a strip-back performance or, like, a choir or... um. Like it just—it seems to ha like I think it has that natural entrepreneurial kind of vibe. Just how far you've taken it, I suppose.
2: Yeah, just um, different. How many ways you can skin a cat, I suppose. It's actually the same repertoire of ten songs. Mm. Uh, sometimes I'll I'll tweak a couple. I'll lose one or two and add in a couple depending on um, the show. But it's really I'm I'm changing my audiences because different people um react to it differently so i kind of tailor it to the audience but it's the same same material
0: and also i I suppose some some audiences don't know like the history at all and some people are like some some do essentially
2: yeah well if i'm you know gonna engage with an indigenous community this is the history
0: yeah that's true
2: um, and so, how I deliver to them is completely different how I would deliver to non-indigenous people. yeah, and I think that's the um that's the sweet spot in the project. Mm. I've had especially a lot of international people who aren't aren't familiar with Australian history. when they kind of hear this stuff for the first time, they perceive it as as, as storytelling with melody. Um, so I go, oh okay, there's a new angle there, that's a whole new different show that I can pitch to internationals using the same repertoire and it's just reshaping the same thing
0: yeah okay that's cool so like like musicians in shutdown like where, like sort of everyone's kind of feels like they're in purgatory like waiting for like what's going to happen with gigs and are we going to start like do we all no tom it's a
3: holiday haven't you heard it's a holiday
0: (laughs) yeah just do nothing (laughs) it's our one chance to just relax But I was thinking like Music New South Wales, you're like in, I feel like you're actually kind of in hyper mode. Like it feels like Mm -hmm. um, once you're managing, uh, like people are relying on you to provide information and to provide like access to grants and like what's happening and every possible outcome. Like what are you working on like right now?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, we've got sort of several people doing several different things. Obviously, we're trying to get as much information out there to musicians and industry around Um, you know, what's available in terms of support or navigating the quagmire that is current restrictions and regulations around, um, you know, being out in public or um, opening a venue. Um, A lot of the work I'm doing is centering around uh, advocacy, you know, speaking to government, trying to help them understand the complexities of the music industry, you know, that what might work for one venue won't necessarily work for another, um, you know, understanding the ecosystem and trying to come up with, I guess, unique or, you know, really purposeful interventions to help support the industry both through hibernation and to, you know, come out on the other side. What yeah, so I'm calling it the Phoenix Rising moment, you know, where yeah, we actually, like, return. <laughs>
0: Because um, I mean, like, I mean, the music industry as a whole has been like you've been working overtime in the past like ten years as it was anyway. Because um, I feel like it's constantly under threat, and this is just like, oh no, this is like another like another twist of a knife, really.
3: Yeah, it definitely feels you know like it's a it's a huge, huge you know never before encountered challenge for the music industry. But the thing I feel um, somewhat heartened by is that the music industry in New South Wales is is a little bit used to uh, struggle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I've seen sort of, you know, colleagues around the rest of the country sort of be shocked and and alarmed at at what, you know, the the absolute decimation. And I feel in some ways the industry here is um, a a bit more hardened for it and, uh, you know, has been trekking through this long haul of industry development for quite a few years you know we've had lockouts and other things that have really set back our industry so I think um you know I'm trying to put the positive spin on it that we're built for this you know we're ready we can we can weather it
0: I think it's, I mean, you're saying we, we weather it. Like, I feel like the, we've only been at weather what we've done so far, <laughs> like more or less because of like you. <laughs> like you are like the, <laughs> like the, like, the ladies, like oftentimes I think that like musicians work directly with venues and things like that, but you just uh, like, like the general public just has no idea how much of that is like, there are people essentially fighting for that, for those things to actually happen and to make it, to have those things, um, to have access yeah. to money and grants and information and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we like stealth mode. We like, you know, <laughs> essentially we would love to not have to exist. Um, mm. You know, the, the dream for us is that the industry functions, that artists get paid well, that venues can operate and, you know, have safe venues and accessible venues and, and venues that are, you know, inclusive and representative of our, of our people um, and that festivals are the same. You know, they're all the things that we're fighting for. We would, you know, we would love to not have to be fighting for it. But, um at this point, you know there there is a need, and so yeah we keep ourselves busy
0: um beck what 's like shut down like for you at the moment like are you like ready are you, are you going down the streaming route, are you starting to convert your shows um and like start to like experiment with that or are you just are you planning ahead for the phoenix rising as it were
1: um I'm planning a Phoenix Rising at some point. Um, but at the moment, I'm writing for a theatre company um, and the production's called Ishmael. Um, it was meant to be on this year at the Opera House in QPAC, but I think it'll be next year around September. So mm-hmm. I'm doing that, but apparently playing a festival in three weeks in Darwin also.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Darwin are like, they're, just, they're, they're announcing stuff. They're just like, yeah, mm-hmm. festival's still on. Like, yeah, come along.
1: Yeah, so it's a bit all over the shop my band are actually in Melbourne so I've had to find a quick uh new band in Wollongong and yeah just kind of being able to think quickly on my feet which is kind of fun in some ways uh kind of stressful in others yeah
0: are you um, also like working on new material for those shows or is it like kind of like you'll be, as a result, you have to sort of reshape your old stuff with the new band or like, it's yeah, like a year old now, so it's not on new yeah. accounts.
1: I've kind of found it really a really nice time for writing in terms of sitting with uncomfortable feelings. Um, like I'm someone that works really well with deadlines and tangible, um, I don't know, goals. Um, so for me sitting with that antsiness has been really productive for, writing um so in the last couple of weeks i've been recording um with a producer called dave jenkins up in sydney um so working on a new record which is
2: cool and bizarre and all those things (laughs) yeah yeah well um when covid hit i had quite a few tours cancelled so i was able to um get the tour funding variation to kind of Isolation projects, mm. so yeah, so that was pretty cool. Just um, trying to make work from home, so hopefully that keeps me busy for the next till the end of the year. Um, yeah, and I guess just yeah, I like the I like the phoenix analogy. Just trying to create stuff, so when you know when the show is back on, uh, there's new material, there's there's new projects, there's new ideas that are kind of like just on the shelf ready to
0: go. Yeah. There, there was this, like once shutdown happened, there I, I, there was this immediate vibe that the entire music industry, like it felt, it, it felt like, first of all, we were all like demanding to get our stuff out as we'll just like quickly make more stuff and quickly um, produce and quickly stream everything. Um, and then we all got tired very quickly and we all got very like, oh, this is completely not sustainable. Um, and then funding like hit us, like gave us a left hook um, as well. Yeah. Um, uh, this idea of like, <laughs> like this. I'm probably going to make the entire thing this phoenix rising concept metaphor. Um, thank you, and as you'll be just driving the entire thing. Um, so do you have advice? Uh, like, I guess the reason I wanted you on the podcast specifically, Jesse, is that you, um, you already have been working as an entrepreneur of taking this kind of one idea and shaping it. Um. It, depending on different circumstances. So it's treated as both a gig and a theatre show and um, any other kind of uh, performance you sort of need. Um, That kind of adaptability seems to be the only way musicians can kind of survive at the moment. Like the idea of just being like, oh, I'm in a band and that's it. um, It's essentially it. Like how vital is that kind of variation for you as well as like creatively?
2: uh, Well, it was always, I always needed to have something more than just a gig anyway to make it sustainable and full-time and and this specific project uh, the performance or the live show is actually one part um because it's a it's a you know it's a historical show there's a research element and so i have this whole kind of world where i'm trying to be besties in academia (laughs) um, validate my work in academia and it's kind of working you know because they you know ethnomusicologists don't really dabble in the music industry so it's a nice crossover for them. Um, and, um, and then there's also the, um, the community engagement side, you know, it's making that this kind of show interesting for the schools and the community choirs and, you know, and workshops galore. And that's always good bread and butter, but I mean, that's not why I do it, but it's just, that's where the interest is. So I kind of, I have, and the the gig is like the kind of the main, the main thing, but it's not the only thing. Mm. Um, yeah, so and I and I've always kind of got other little side projects going on the side just to kind of keep things fresh and interesting for me. Um, different collaborations and that. So mm. are you, Um
0: are you looking as you say you were are you doing your own ethnomusicology work or are you collaborating or are you just like what what do you mean by that when you were talking about them not dabbling so much in music? Like, is it you dabbling in academia or are yeah. you trying to find those kind of middle ground?
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, I'm not an academic, so I just, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a musician and I'm doing what ethnomusicologists try to do. Mm. The difference is, is I do it in, in practice. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actively a practising musician and a cultural practitioner, whereas they observe and, and write about it. Um, so my goal is to, to validate my work is I collaborate with them. That's why professor Marcia Langton is one of the advisors and there's a whole heap of other, um, um, academics as well that I, that I work with that, you know, sometimes they write papers, uh, with me and which validates the project in their world, um, or I do co-presentations at, at universities. I'm actually supposed to go to, uh, London june um for some sort of royal society of something i don't know um yeah and i was supposed to present there and um it's just a whole new world that i have nothing to do with or or don't know anything about but it validates my work in their world which kind of gives it like street cred in their world where at the end of the day what they write will be fact you know
0: yeah like i mean your i mean your show is specifically about like showing like, like not to mention that like, the cultural history associated with it but you're also kind of both recreating a time period and kind of continuing it and developing it as well um you mentioned yeah. um, marcia Langton like that uh, she's so prolific as a writer in is like in that kind of stuff is is it like so she's your culture, cultural advisor on like uh, like the academic on your project specifically
2: yeah well my main two advise senior advisors, and I and I call them senior advisors because this kind of project needs to have some sort of mentoring and direction. I Mm -hmm. can't just, and that's, that's, that's a cultural protocol, I suppose. Um, Yeah. And because of, you know, her experience and her knowledge, um, she can always, I can always rely on her. Uh, She's accountable to whatever those kind of decisions need to be made or for advice. But I mean, mainly, like I always say, the reason why she's an advisor to me is because she grew up back in these days more. Yeah. Okay. academic but i mean from a strategic point of view if we're talking about business i tap into the academic world because i know it'll increase value on my work and it may not have been academia it could have been sports or it could have been whatever and um so i also tap into the whole community choirs things you know because that adds value to my work and it's Something that I just kind of, when I started setting it up, okay, where, where's the sweet spots in this gig? Um, and they're all outside the music industry. Where's the sweet spots in this gig that's going to uh, boost my work? Who can I partner with? Who can I collaborate with? <clears throat> and that's that's really why I focus on those areas because it increases the value of my work. Mm. And that's, that's strategic.
0: Yeah. Do you um would you do you see that as just as like it, it's a um it's inevitable that you have to do that that you or are you would you prefer to just not to be to be more isolated um to be just the music is that kind of the way you approach it
2: no no hmm. i think <clears throat> i enjoy it that way yeah. i i i I've, I've always felt restricted in the music industry in the hmm. industry itself uh, and I actually don't deal in, with it anymore, other than on the festival circuits, and and now I'm dabbling in the performing arts scene with the theatres, and uh, you know, and into and the kind of you know theatre world. People are saying oh, it's a theatre show, and it's not. It's just. Yeah.
0: I think I said it was a theatre show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right.
2: Uh, you know, I've got a producer yeah. in the theatre world, and I've never even like musician has a producer What's <laughs> album. You know, it's a whole different world, and there's like all these little ecosystems that I kind of jump in and out of all with the same objective of how it's going to increase value on my work.
1: Yeah I think initially I started out as someone who played acoustic guitar and wrote songs and it was more in the folk world where I would you know play at your standard classic up and down venue and then they got to a point where I was like actually this is quite limiting especially if you don't have a manager or a booking agent so then I started Going to things like living room concerts or playing in any venue that would have me um, pretending I have a manager, emailing people. Um, but but today I feel like I've kind of thought more about how I can be creative with being a musician or a songwriter. And um, recently I've kind of started a program um, teaming with council, which is um, for young women and gender diverse people who just want to learn about the music industry, learning about songwriting, learning about what it means to be a woman or a gender diverse people, person um, within this kind of sphere. And it's been really rewarding. Um, in, what in, company
0: is that? Sorry, who are you working with?
1: Um, just with Wollongong Council. Um, oh, cool. but I just kind of created the program um, from scratch and just um, put it to them and they were keen, which was awesome. Um, Sweet. Yeah, and it's it's something that, you know, I've kind of, it's a real passion project of mine where, you know, I think I want to maybe upskill and go into music therapy.
2: Alongside
1: being a songwriter, I, I think, yeah, it's great um, how many different avenues you can kind of take music
0: yeah. yeah i mean ultimately you'll become a creative entrepreneur as well it sounds like yeah i'm gonna
1: add it to my little uh yeah, yeah, yeah. quickly after this podcast i mean
0: i think we are all definitely gonna do it thank you <laughs> that's really good
3: well i think the idea of entrepreneurialism is absolutely something we encourage um you know the musicians often start you know, they get into the music industry because they love music and the next thing they know they're running a small business and all the things that come with that. Um, And so we definitely encourage people to think beyond just the performing and the writing of songs in terms of, um, you know, establishing, you know, career longevity and, and, you know, ensuring that they can perform or, you know, release music or um, continue to be artists well into their later parts of their lives and I think that's often a challenge for people because you know doing the gigging circuit has its restrictions on on your health and well-being on your on your you know your on your bank account um you know all, what are you all the, we're all
0: we're raking it yeah in. you're all loaded
3: aren't you? yeah, yeah great <laughs> um but you know like it, it costs it costs to be out on the touring circuit and it's often not necessarily um the type of career that some musicians want like I know people who just refuse to go on tour these days because they're like no, actually, I want to release music from my bedroom or I want to do other types of creative collaborations that I find more rewarding so realistically well I guess what we try and encourage musicians we work with to do is to think about what kind of career and life they want um, and work backwards from there because you know often you know if you ask someone what does success mean to you um, they don't actually have a clear idea of what that is and what that means for their life. Like some people just want to pay their rent with um income that's generated from music. other people want fame and and to tour the world. and um, I think it it changes for everybody. So we try and get people to think about what what a, a level of success they want um, and work backwards from there, because realistically, the the income is so fraud um for some people that uh it's not necessarily something you can rely on so that 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 you know entrepreneur spirit is something we definitely try and get people to think about um, and actually one thing i often say if people say oh you know like is it am i a sellout if i have a side career to my music and i say no it's the best it's actually the thing that's most likely to keep you in the music business for longer mm. because when you make music you're making it for music not for money um and you actually are able to focus on you know the creative part and do it because you love it and then you've got other forms of income whether that's teaching or you know all the completely different career um to sustain your you know to pay your rent and to get things you know your life sorted because there's nothing worse than being absolutely financially destitute and then having this pressure of oh you need to be creative i think that's an awful place for artists to be in. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to negotiate in finances alongside career sustainability.
0: So it sounds like like at least step one for any budding musician is to get a grasp on the idea of it as a business, but also not as like, that's just to manage that side of it alongside sort of anything else.
3: Yeah. And it's always that balance between it's a business and, you know, if you want to actually do it as a part of your professional life whether it's all of your professional life or part of your professional life you know if you want income from it then yeah working out what you're prepared to do and you know yeah it's it's like I like people to have business plans but at the same time I also want them to think about you know their creativity is separate to money um so yeah it really depends on the artist and what they're about and you know who's advising them and yeah, what their career goals are
0: if that's the current sort of state of it, does that mean that music New South Wales's goals and um, I don't know range of topics is like so broad as well these days? Um, yeah. I've definitely seen like you running, uh, say like like mental health is now like a, a huge issue in the music industry, even though it probably should have been much more discussed prolifically. Like I know in theatre, it's like a, been a constant sort of um, it's constantly butting in the background of like how we manage that, how we manage that on tour and stuff like that, and it just seems to yeah. not have been a thing in, in Australian music industry until much recently of like, no, we should actually be focusing so much time and so much like conversation about that as well, which it seems like you're also pushing as part of music. Definitely.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something we push, you know, people to consider well being, but I think there's a lot more uh, systemic change that needs to happen in the music industry for well being to actually be something, a, a, you know, entirely commercial industry thinks about and prioritizes, um, you know, artists are not, uh, resources that can just go on tour forever. You know they are finite. There's you know their spirit is finite. You know there's there's things they need care and and support and um, yeah I think there's a long way to go for the music industry to prioritize the well being of artists versus their profitability.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to come back, Emily, to what you were saying about the um, uh, about the music industry and um, allow me to be devil's advocate because I really mm-hmm. want to. I really think the music industry is, as as musicians as a whole I really think that we need to start changing um not only the terminology but how we see the music industry there's a lot of talk and I've and I've been to a lot of things and there's a lot of talk about expecting musicians to be broke expecting mm. musicians to um or there's no money and that you're going to gig for free and there's no money out there um um and, and I'm not I'm not, not criticizing you, I'm just sort of saying it, it, and this happened, you know, when people say, Oh, I just gotta pay rent, you know, even using the word rent instead of mortgage puts a bar on it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: And it keeps uh, musicians in the, the in the, the poverty realm, you know. Uh we gotta get a gig at gigs, how are we gonna finance these venues? You know, you know, pubs like they're shit paying gigs. It's broke town. Mm-hmm. Why do you wanna play in Broke town? you know and 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 it's mainly come from I did this music managers thing I'm not going to say what it is because it was really shit and the whole time there were mostly women artists in there and it was sort of saying, "You know basically you 're never going to get paid, and you're never going to make any money, so just you know do what you can and you know the whole narrative just try and get on triple J, just try and get a pub gig you know It's really bad music advice, mm-hmm. and that was a music managers manage your own music thing mm-hmm. um, and I think it would be really good for people or certain people in in the music industry if we start changing the terminology, start lifting the bar." Um, it is completely possible for a musician to run their business like a plumber would. That's how I've always seen it. And somebody, when I first started, I graduated music and I was very young. And, and a guitarist made of mine, he said, look, you, you know, you charge like a, like a plumber would. You know, you go in, you do the job, you get your invoice and da-da-da. And that's, you know, so the whole thing about, oh, I'm doing it for creativity or doing it for great exposure, that kind of I am expecting to not be paid, or I'm expecting to not get much. I think we should start changing that uh, in the music industry and in the musicians ourselves, because we are business people, mm. and um, a business is not a dirty word. And um, at the, even at the very beginning, let's let's act like we're plumbers and electricians in how we perceive our service we provide.
0: Yeah, I mean, hundred yeah. percent
3: agree with you. I mean, you know the. I guess what I was referring to was that often musicians don't approach the music industry as a business, you know, they start out because they love it. And I think there is, there is definitely um, something to be said for, um, you know, following your passion however you know it is a business and many businesses fail and you know part of what we do is actually provide business support you know for musicians and and you know like we're currently we're just about to release a tax video and you know trying to get people thinking about how to be uh professional musicians and and not get um under in terms of um you know, being paid and, and knowing their value. And and this is comes back to the systemic change um, that we need to see in the music industry. And, you know, there's a real disconnect between what venues say they're willing to pay, what artists um, accept and, and undercut each other um, across the industry. You know, I think I 100% yeah. agree with you. I think we need to um, raise the bar uh, for all artists to be paid, and that it is a viable music career. I do worry for a lot of people who get suckered into various kinds of situations where they, um, you know, get taken advantage of, or not paid, or paid an exposure, and all those kinds of things it's that are that unfortunately synonymous with the music industry. That, you know,
2: that it's because it's expected; it's the normality, mm. and I think we should change that. And even. Um, uh, you know, about this idea of going into the music industry to follow a dream, you know, it's fantasy, you know, you, somebody's going to f- get your hit song and you're going to make it. That's bullshit, man. That's not business. Mm. That's you know? not
3: business. But I think there are different types of artists, you know, and I think there are. Yeah,
2: there. If, are... if the industry starts changing its perspective on, oh, you've got a great song, you just need the right band, and once you're out, you know, it's bullshit, man. You know,
3: oh, there is no two ways about it. It's hard work.
2: Yeah. I, I agree with you,
3: Jesse. I think
1: that, like, the Hollywood, um, like, uh, you know, you're going to make it. I think that language needs to change. And with that, it needs to be, like, being specific about what it means. Um, and with that, you know, it could be an artist um, to be able to feel confident enough to say no. Being competent enough to say to managers, booking agents, this is what I want um, is something that's really important. Um, but yeah, I think that's the the make it thing is 100% bullshit unless you know exactly what you want. And then finding the people around you to support the dream I think is, you know, that is the dream. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, that's, Beck, that's the third time you've mentioned sort of saying node or project for whatever reason. It sounds like a heap of that is like the value that you get from a performance or a project or a gig or whatever that is obviously like hugely monetarily based as well. Um, like how much, how often do you, like, obviously that's going to be the, that's going to be a massive sort of discussion for any musician and any business of like, what is a viable path to do? Um, it's... It sounds like that 's going to be if we are changing the language of it it 's just like yeah, of is the fact that we are automatically very self deprecating like we 're very good at that. we have a history of being very very good at it um, the the ones that the musicians that everyone knows are the ones who 've uh, skyrocketing to sort of fame um, hopefully this this essentially this shutdown is actually it feels like there 's a lot, lot larger focus on like being very local and being very uh and especially music in the last five years so much focusing on your direct networks and having a smaller but dedicated fan base which is much more financially viable and you can work at it and you can like fight for that and you do treat it much more business like you treat it much more of like oh this is my outreach this is what i'm capable of i don't want to like this all seems like incredibly practical advice for a new musician to sort of be very aware of. Not even new, mid-career as well. Like, um, I suppose it seems to be like the natural form of the current artist. Would you all kind of agree? Like, that's such a vague question. Sorry, I'm just like I feel like I'm just like talking. <laughs> just trying. I'm trying to figure out out, out out myself. Like, ultimately, I'm trying to figure out what the music industry is like veering towards. Um, because. Um, I, like I think ultimately we're, we're all on the same sort of page there, like we're, none of us want it to be a deficit and none of us want it to just, just be for the sake of art. In fact, if it is, then it's a completely different world out there. Um, we wouldn't be trying at all. There has to be some sort of stakes. and if Those stakes are business-related and, oh, no money mm. and success. Well, the
2: industry, so. excluding the artists, it's all business. Mm. You know, you talk about the booking agents and the managers, you know, and the labels and, and mm. the venues that's that's business they're business people you know and the only people that aren't in business is the actual artists themselves um that's it's like they're the, the commodity really
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and i just like i just found it wasn't worthwhile to work in the music industry it wasn't financially viable um i've i i i've found work doing music and and in, in other areas because i just look for whatever those sweet spots are um and it would be, and it's just would be good um, to see change in the music industry, just that basic thing, especially for emerging artists to get a realistic um, view on what um, a, a sustainable music career is, and it's not this fantasy land of Hollywood. Mm. Um, and just to see the industry support artists to be business people and not, not, not the commodity that, that's, that's bought and sold between them.
0: Yeah. And I guess the major concern is that like, first of all, there's like funding is incredibly limited as far as like access to that. Like that is just like the basics of it. And it just sounds like if we're going to, so that maybe I could ask like M, as far as like the steps for a bit, like if we're going to be looking at what it takes to run a business, what kind of practical things should we be looking at? Like as any any artist at any level.
3: Sorry, say that again.
0: Or like what kind of business skills or what kind of processes should we be taking in the like immediate kind of short term like should we use this time in lockdown not only for writing music but also just to like figure out what a balance sheet is
3: (laughs) yeah look i think general financial literacy is the first port of call um you know understanding you know income and expenditure and you know how long you can tour and all those sorts of things and making being able to make those decisions like jesse's saying so you're actually i can't you know do this because I'm not going to have enough income to pay off the cost that it costs me to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, basic uh, financial decision making around that. Um, I think it's also about planning and understanding, um, you know, long term plans, so short, medium and long term plans, um, which relate to or align to goals that you have. Um, you know, you can't just say, I want to tour Australia in, you know, three years time, you know, like, how do you get there? Um, what's involved with that? Um, how realistic is that for you and your music? And, you know, you, like, is there an audience for what you do? Um, but realistically, the first thing you need to do is, um, I think, yeah, get your finances in order. And, and and like Jesse said, approach it from a pure numbers perspective and, and do the maths and that means, you know, doing your tax and writing a financial plan and looking at your income, seeing what grants you can get to supplement um, your activities and, yeah, making decisions around that.
0: And also it sounds like having, like, kind of tangible goals that you can plan for because it's like, you're right, it's like it's all well and good to say, like, oh, yeah, hit song and blah, 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 blah. But if a tangible goal is I want to put out some music, it's like what can I actually achieve with that? Um, uh, I mean Beck it took like this is your your album uh try and save me which that as far as like a debut album goes, but you 'd obviously been working and releasing much smaller projects before then um, was that just kind of the like that that process of having smaller tangible goals tangible releases
1: yeah i think i mean i didn 't really know what I was doing um, I feel like now more than ever I know what my goals are you know I've created a six-month, one-year, three-year, five-year plan, which is, you know, like open to movement, of course. Um, But initially I was just gigging. I I went over to Europe and I just played shows, busked every single day, you know, and I I burnt out. Like it was, you know, learning um, what is financially doable, learning where there is an income. Like I, I think, you know, I agree with Jesse in terms of there's lots of, lots of gigs that are just you know rubbish money or they say there's no money but there's also a lot of streams or, or places where there is money um, whether that's publishing um, <laughs> um, some of the local RSL gigs pay you really well you know three to eight hundred dollars for three hours playing. Kaysom, um, uh which is something that like I still do. I, I love busking. Um, I think it's an amazing way to meet people, to reach new fan bases. Um, and I think it's really about being creative and asking questions. How do other people do it? How are other people sustaining their career um, so they don't burn out? Um, yeah.
2: I, I, I have a um, suggestion. This is something, something that I, I think I read somewhere. That was a really good idea. Um, I went through oh, all of my invoices on the year before. I can't remember when this was. I went through all of my invoices on the year before or the last two years and I highlighted which were the biggest paid ones. And then, okay, oh, there's my sweet spots. Mm. It shows kind of what kind of niche is willing to pay more. And this is, this is with any business. And, and it may not be the kind of sector that you want to focus on in terms of your, your career, um, it could be the corporate world or, you know, the RSL. But that's it's an opportunity there to generate more income to do, where, you know, what you want to do. Um, and that was the advice that somebody um, or I read somewhere that if you just go through your last couple of years of invoices and highlight which are the biggest ones. And actually, the biggest ones, I think, at the time for me were, were grants I was getting. And I was mm. like, okay, so that's sort of not relying on somebody else to pay me, but me creating my own work and projects, I'm generating more income and getting paid more mm. that way. Um, um, yeah. So like lots of little strategies like that, that musos can do to kind of uh, not necessarily know how to, you know, I don't know how to write up a financial plan and all that stuff, but little things they go, Oh, okay. Um,
0: yeah. Pays. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like, Oh, I, you know, I shouldn't try and get a gig at the tote and for For me as an Indigenous artist, like for a long time, the sweet spot was um, Reconciliation Week and NAIDOC Week. Um, uh, Every year, this is the first year actually because COVID that I have not been fully booked out. And it's like three gigs a day for seven days a week.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, and that's a sweet spot. And it's not like, you know, that's my fan base or that's my target market. But that's, you know, that's an income stream that I'm going to cash in every year for, you know, Building up for whatever my plans
0: are. Yeah, like that. That's a thing you, that you incorporate into your plan, essentially. Yeah, I, I would say think. I've made more money almost uh, podcasting and for, like um, than actual than like sorry specific uh, music industry money. But it's not because my my podcasting is all definitely related to music, like all uh, like podcasts about music and with bands and with projects. that are all very specific. I guess you're right. The more I think about it, whatever. As long as the you're you're all right, and the way, the way we talk about it is not so much playing a gig at a pub as a sacrifice. It's about like finding the avenues for success and what we sort of see that, that success is like, I think. Um, well, then maybe, Beck, do you, how, how do you have to supplement your income? Maybe it's a really imp- horrible personal question, but it's mean like, as far as like like working as a day-to-day job, um, like ha- how many like projects do you essentially manage at the same time to sort of like keep alive? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like right now it's a bit different to what it normally looks like, but yeah. I've been doing music full time for the last six years, yeah. um, and I guess that includes songwriting for my own Beck Sandridge project, um, and then on the side, I guess, Busking, which is also part of the Beck Sandridge project thing my and then name. um it feels weird because it's my own name yeah um, <laughs> talking in third person I'm yeah like. um and then don't worry i'm not disassociating um <laughs> uh and then i guess this council thing is pretty new but um yeah i've just been doing the songwriting thing which you know is fortunate but also i'm working my ass off
0: mm. um uh m how much do you, how much does uh like museum of wales approach other projects that are uh, musicians inevitably have to do or inevitably will do um as a way to chase that like how much is that uh do you kind of manage um we don't like, sorry not prevent guide show guidelines on i suppose
3: i mean we don't we don't tell people how to um
0: be creative <laughs>
3: yeah i mean and it's different for everyone you know you've got artists who um don't want to tour much and they just want to play down at their local pub each week and enjoy the active live performance other ones have you know want to release music and and grow their audiences you know there's many tiers of artists and different types of artists and so we try and provide advice for um all the different types uh in terms of navigating the industry and you know yeah Trying to professionalise the music industry as much as possible, and that's a slow process of maturity. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what Music New South Wales provides, we we do a whole range of, um, you know, I guess yeah, industry-related um, courses and masterclasses and panels and topics um we don't really touch much on the creative side of things like we're not going to tell you how to write a a song but we will um you know tell you what you can do with that song once it's written Mm. or advice not tell you what to do but you know give you options the various possibilities to people yeah
0: so i suppose the current australian music industry is like this it's this torment between like uh developing your own opportunities and then versus like like the established kind of system in that sort of discussion of like how far an artist wants to go or what direction they specifically want to take it. Um, is, that the, is that the kind of like uh, – I mean, that's at least my insight into what the Australian music industry is. It's just like, oh, actually, it is you either aiming essentially for Triple J success or um, to find lots of little kind of pathways. Is that an accurate read on the situation?
3: yeah i mean i think there's a lot of um you know uh misinformation around like you know yeah selling the dream of what it means to be in the music industry versus the reality of of what it takes to you know have a viable ongoing career past you know <laughs> the age of 30 um and i think there are many roads through it it depends on the genre you're in um it depends on you know what whether you're solo artist or with a big you know big band like i think there's different needs for every group and um, you know realistically the the number of people who enter that sort of top echelon of you know aria nominations and and national international touring you know it's fairly small but that said i also know like some bands who aren't very well known in australia who haven't really successful european tours you know i think not trying to sound like there's just everything is possible but like it really depends on what you want and i think that's where you need to start when you're planning your music career it's like what what are you actually looking for um and what kind of yeah what kind of life do you live what kind of you know what's your well-being alongside all those um you know trying to pursue um you know uh, international touring opportunities or um you know if you are chasing things like trying to get on um, national radio, then, um, you know, what are the things you need to do to get there? What do you do once you're there? You know, because often it doesn't necessarily translate to the things you think it will. So, yeah, it's just about um, trying to plan out a career.
2: Pardon? It's like starting. It's like when you kind of, those opportunities arrive, it's only the beginning and you need to... Yeah work to you know to take advantage of it or maintain it Mm.
3: yeah and we i mean one of the simple things that people we always find you know like bands or you know they'll save up like 30 grand to record you know a couple of tracks or an ep or an album or whatever they however far they make that money go and that's the end of their sort of thought around what they've actually done It's like well making the music recording the music is one thing now, actually, it's like, how do you get it out to people? How do you share it? How do you um, see it have a life beyond that studio recording or beyond the first six weeks of when it's hit the airwaves? You know? um, how do you plan releases so that it can sustain your... Touring and your merch sales for x number of months. Um, you know what's the right time of year to release that in the lead up to a summer festival circuit. Obviously, pre-COVID um, thinking <laughs> right here, but um, you know all those that kind of strategy around releasing music to the industry or to the you know broader um, commercial um, listenership. Then you know there's there's a whole different many different strategies that work for different artists, and mm. and if you're trying to navigate that, you can you know, often the best thing that we suggest is like find an act that you want to emulate or that you're, you know, you think has had a similar trajectory to what you maybe want to follow and just go through their history, work out when they've released stuff, talk about, talk, you know, find out who their managers are, like find out bands they've toured with. Um, And, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you do something. There are people who've been through all of this um, in terms of, I guess helping to frame the strategy for moving forward for, for your own career.
0: Yeah, that's. It seems like there's been there's been quite a lot of like little, lovely, useful, practical advice. Um, of course, link everyone to, and link everyone uh, listening for to Music New South Wales's outcomes and things like that, as well as like um, both Beck and your Jesse, like both of your projects and the stuff you're sort of doing. Of course, um, if we're talking about post COVID and rising from the ashes, is it obviously the three of us or sorry there's four of us isn't there i almost <laughs> didn't even include myself um we're even like um what what do we want the industry to be like like what are our goals for that in order for us to actually take advantage of that and to be like the total badass phoenix that we are like what is it is it like systematic change is our main sort of goal is it like is it um yeah, what, what, are we, what are the big things that have to change in the short short term? Like, what, what should our actual goals be in that before we then, like, start celebrating in the glory of fire?
2: I'd like to not see everything go online. Mm, me too. The COVID kind of online gigs, gig online. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. I, mean, I kind of felt like there was opportunity on not going live. I mean, I did a couple of live things because I got paid, and I was like, yes. But, if I, you know, if I had a choice you know, it's kind of like less is more mm. and all of a sudden professional musicians are are, are the same as bloody TikTok, you know, um, YouTube famous people. And it's like, no, that's quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, the world is changing anyway with, with the internet and now all these Gen X, Gen Y, Gen, who knows what, you know, and how they consume music. Um, I think, you know, I think artists will always adapt, um, and the industry—I don't know—it's a bit of a dinosaur, and it's still living the dream, trying to live the dream. Mm. I'm not—I'm not too fussed about the industry. I, I just try to avoid it because it's—it doesn't serve me any purpose. Yeah, um,
0: I, I feel like, especially now, it's like it's—it's it's how easy it is for us for someone. To just record a song and put it out, as you said, on streaming services or TikTok, whatever. Um, it's like that's just like that's one tiny, tiny aspect. But it's just like there's so much more to it than that. That is actually, uh, yeah. Like the the industry itself needs to be able to incorporate a lot more. It seems than that. Like we kind of can't rely on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Like I think the and music industry can be more um, more versatile. You know. Um, you know, more than just Triple J. Like, I get a lot of my stuff played on Radio National. And I don't, I don't even care about Triple J because I don't even want them to play my shit, you know? It's yeah. like, it's not relevant. Um, So it'd be good to see the music industry think a bit more broader Um, because everybody listens to music. That's what I, you know, whether it's in an elevator or in a movie or on your phone, there's music. Somebody has made that music and that's a job. And it's nothing to do with, you know, what the industry perceives as where the work is. Right, wow, We're yeah. talking
0: very like music industry is like one specific thing. Obviously, it's it's big as long as you sort of find those very specific avenues or as long as you get good at navigating all those kind of little things, I suppose.
2: Finding your niche w- within it, I suppose.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think everything going online has been really challenging, but also there's been some really beautiful things that have come out of it. For example, fans being able to... Um, you know, find out behind the scenes um, how artists create their own demos and that kind of thing. So in terms of access, I think it's been a really great thing in terms of connecting people from all different backgrounds Um, and kind of there's been a real DIY kind of boost. But I think the, the question is how can we create value to the work that is now so easily accessible? um which is hard I don't I don't have an answer for it I feel like for me I didn't want to do any online gigs um because of that I feel like yeah creative people have fought for so long trying to get people to pay money for their work and um yeah that's that's one reason why I I didn't want to do any online gigs but I do see the value in connecting people from all over Australia but also all over the world and you know for this program that I'm running in Wollongong I've been able to have people from Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide who are musicians, um, managers, booking agents come as guests which you know would never have happened ordinarily because it's hard to get people out to regional areas. Mm. Um, So I think there's parts of um, the online stuff that would be amazing to to continue Um, but other parts I think you know, an education around or re-education around the value of um, creative people's time and um, products, I think is something that would be cool to be looked at.
0: Yeah. I, I, even the idea of like, he, he sort of just said um, uh, like th- things that are streaming and like the, the way people consume music and Jesse was saying you know, everyone, essentially everyone does. I was like, both of you, like Beck and Jesse, like neither of you make music that's essentially designed for, Background music, like you both intentionally, like uh, are trying to grab people's active attention, like, um, like whether that's Jesse through you, very like very directly speaking to people, telling stories, and trying to actually provide sort of historical and complex academia, but sort of behind it, or like even like the sound of your uh, projects spec. it's like it's very much like, I like very strongly announcing yourself and demanding people's attention. Um, it seems like artists are actually striving for a new way to listen to music Mm. um maybe like our our desire for like yeah whatever the music industry is is much more focused on like people leaning in and actually sort of paying more attention or like having yeah i know maybe i'm just being i'm very idealistic with that kind of sense of just like of like what i like the general listener actually i i just know that they actually do give a shit like i'm 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 like counting my entire life on that um Mm -hmm. i hope anyway
1: Yeah, it's almost like how do we get people to listen when there's so much being produced, but then also how do we give it weight and sustainable weight where, you know, people will be listening to the album in six months rather than just, you know, for a day or a week. Yeah. And that's where business planning comes in.
0: Exactly. I guess that's true. Hmm.
1: I I thought when both Emily and Jesse were speaking, it was like an interesting point about you know you have your goals and you you get there and then it's like asking the question but what next and so having that what next question already addressed before you release you know the album or whatever is really important um
0: yeah do you um what about the the, i mean this is this is a huge can of worms is the role of the album changing drastically like like that's a like uh, i feel like releasing an album is getting harder and harder to do like Um, Or at least the length of an album uh, asking people's engagement is, it feels like we're like pushing those boundaries. But it's like, we like albums, I think. Is it just like, is the world of EPs coming out next? Or uh, will albums be like the thing again? I don't know. I'm really worried about that.
1: That's a question I was asking myself. I'm like, why do I want to put out another album? Like, it was yeah. fucking expensive and, like, I had to do a longer PR, you know, kind of campaign and longer touring, which costs more money. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, it's, like, important to ask yourself, why Why do I want to put out this album? What's the purpose of it? You know, what, what is this tool used for? Um, I don't know. Me personally, like, I actually have never really liked albums which feels guilty to say
0: <laughs> you're a fraud <laughs>
1: yeah, i've never liked them and then i was like oh, I, I kind of have to do one, you know yeah.
2: do like listen to them or you don't make like making them i i think it's probably an
1: attention span thing like i i like a, a pocket-sized glimpse into someone's life rather than like how do you as an artist capture your experience
2: in I don't know. I, I like conciseness. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's... for me, when I do an album. I, I've, I kind of, I don't know. I did my own solo EP at first and I was like, just get something Jesse Lloyd out there, whatever. And I've never done anything with it. Don't mm-hmm. care for it at the moment, but this album that I've done with the mission songs project, it has a very specific purpose. That's, that would be different if I was doing the Jesse Lloyd album
1: mm-hmm. and it's,
2: um, and people engage with this album differently than they would, you know. So, And I understand yeah. Really, it's hard to play your own horn, you know, into your own publicity campaign. But, like, people buy my album not because of the music, but because of I've got a booklet in it. And that's, that's, my, that's my sales pitch. That's, like, at the end of gigs, I'm just like, yeah, baby. Because it's not even about the album. Though. I mean, it is. They want a piece of it. But they want that book. Yeah, you And know, so I thought that's kind of like my thing. So, I, and I feel like, you know, when all the hipsters, you know, listening to records again, you know, it's kind of like, it's not about the music. They want to, they got a record player at home and they want to use it. You find that you're creating value in an album that's specific to who you might think, you find a sweet spot. It's like, what can you, what can you make your album different? And it's not about how it sounds or the tracks. It's about how people...
0: Yeah, there'll be this, maybe the, you're right. There's going to be a return to the concept album, or the very specific story, or that very what that album or EP is actually about. Like that, that communicates something, which it sounds like you're both kind of doing. In fact, Jesse, if you if you said you're doing the like you're using the same sort of ten songs, it's like you've nailed that. That is great. You're a living example of proof that works.
2: Like, I love them, but yeah, uh, a dollar for every time I sung them, but yeah, like, <laughs> again, that's
0: a good thing. Maybe uh, I need to, we should probably come into an end here. I should probably end on M, like as far as that question goes of like, what does the industry look like? Like we, that was from the artist's perspective of like Beck and Jesse, but like someone behind the scenes, what do you need the industry to be?
3: I think, you know, there there's such real change needed from um, an industry standpoint, you know, in terms of, you know, centering artists as the the most valuable thing in the industry, as opposed to the the throwaway commodity, would be a good place to start. Um, but also, you know, uh, trying to you know, contracts need to be updated. So you know, so many agreements and contracts and um, ways of negotiating between all those moving parts in the industry are entirely skewed towards you know, a very capitalist style system, which, you know, the money goes up and not, you know, to where it should go to, um, to artists and uh, managers and, you know, lighting tech and, you know, all the people who work in the music industry. It's not just about labels and artists. You know, there's so many other people in between who should be paid better and, and taken better care of. And I think, you know, one of the things I'd love to see is um, a, a much... Uh, better representation of voices and and faces um, in the music industry. You know, the Australian industry needs to get better at telling Australian stories and and a real mix of what those stories are, you know, regional voices and first nations voices and people of color and, you know, um, people living with disability um you know all the different types of people who are often excluded from this kind of very commercial framework um yeah that's what i'd like to see so yeah we have a long way to go
0: that's yeah, it still seems achievable like it's just like yeah let's remind everyone who's writing contracts just to be nicer is kind of i know
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly how contracts work but you mm-hmm. know yeah <laughs> i think you know when it comes to um you know, establish, like Jesse was referencing earlier, there's all these assumptions about what, um, how the industry functions and, no, if you're here, you get paid and if you're here, you don't get paid, um, yet everyone should be paid fairly. Um, yes. And uh, I think, you know, trying to shift some of those um, negotiations and that's around power and value, um, you know, trying to um, make it uh, a fairer place would be a good place to start.
0: I'm not really sure what else there is to say and our three guests have said it all more concisely than I ever could. So, cue the outro music. (laughs) Creative Dialogues is a Wollongong City Council project. Check out the show notes where I'll put a link to Bexandras' album Try and Save Me, jesse lloyd's website and the mission songs project and of course the music new south wales website which is full of fantastic information packs guidelines and opportunities for musicians big thanks to annie clapton and janine primmer as always and i'm really happy i got to mention my dog at the top of this episode so thanks for listening
1: Uh, yeah
0: it's a new space i haven't quite gotten used to the system yet it's real good (laughs) um how's that annie how's that looking are you there
1: Annie? Hi, hi Annie. Annie, are you okay?
0: Oh no. Are oh, you okay? Good one back. Annie, are you
1: okay? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>